Hey, welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. Honored to have you here, whether you are a longtime listener or first-time listener because somebody shared an episode with you. I'd encourage you to make sure you go and subscribe to this right there where you listen to podcasts, maybe through uh, your Apple link, or go to my website, Rusty George. Or actually, it helps to know your own website. It's PastorRustyGeorge.com, and you can sign up right there, and we'll send you uh, one blog a week, one podcast a month, and all kinds of uh, free videos and interesting conversations I get to have with people, and I just want to pass it on to you. So if you're listening to this, it's probably because you are a leader in some type of local ministry, and I just want to say thank you for all that you do. And my goal of these conversations is really just to equip you better for what it is you do. And I had a conversation with a longtime friend uh, named Justin Moxley. Uh, That name may not ring a bell to you, but we've been friends for many, many years, and I have watched him lead churches. I've watched him start and lead a church planning organization. I've watched him pastor and counsel pastors, and one of those was was me, uh, just through his friendship. We've been to Royals games together because we're both avid Kansas City Royals and Chiefs fans. Uh, But more importantly, Justin is pioneering a new way to plant churches in that he works for an amazing organization called Stadia. And recently, through his leadership and the leaders at Stadia, um, they decided to offer their services for free because of how important and desperate we are for the need for church plants. And I think we often are a part of our own church and we think, well, I'm happy, I'm taken care of. My kids are in children's ministry, student ministry. I've got a pastor, I've got counselors, whatever I need. And we forget there's a lot of people out there that don't have churches. And just by rate of attrition, there's a lot of churches that are dying or closing their doors. There is a need for us to plant more churches. So when your pastor stands up and says, hey, we're trying to raise some money to plant another church, we should lean in with the same amount of interest as we would with, hey, we've decided to invest a little bit of money in our own children's ministry and make it better for our kids. So I wanted to talk with Justin about the need for church planting and why that's such a value for us here at Real Life Church Ministries and why that should be a value in your life as well. So I hope this conversation is helpful uh, as you just engage with leadership in the local church. Hey, I want to welcome to the podcast, Justin Moxley, who is church planner extraordinaire, expert, and czar with Stadia. And Justin, just real quickly, give us uh, some brief background on you, your time in church world, and what Stadia is. I'm going to add that to my title from now on. That's free of charge. Nothingness is probably the best title I will have, but uh, I've been fortunate to be a part of kind of rural church, grew up in a rural church, then served at a mega church in Colorado for a number of years, then came to Kansas City, worked with a new church here, and then have uh, worked with regional church planning, and then now with Stadia over the last, I think, about nine years of where Stadia works both domestically and globally. So that's what I've been doing. Explain to us a little bit about Stadia's mission and their partnership with Compassion International and what it is you guys are doing and for those that are part of our churches, they might remember we have done some stuff with Stadia, with church planning, and with Compassion. And tell us how all those kind of tie together and, and then what your role is with that. Uh, yeah, we are fortunate to have some really great partnerships, and Compassion is one of those. And 
We work uh, domestically with through partners uh, with different denominational groups and networks, as well as then globally. And globally, um, Compassion is a kind of a, been a unique partnership of where we've been able to help them develop new churches all the U, uh, all around the world, and then providing churches the opportunity to provide uh, connection points and sponsorship with children of those churches. Um, we've been very fortunate to be connected with them and do that with uh, churches like yourself and others around the U.S. And so it's been a pretty special relationship globally and then domestically. We work with a number of other folks too. Now, Stadia is an organization that helps plant churches. So let's just say, for instance, I'm wanting to plant a church and I call up Stadia and I say, I want to plant a church. How can you help? What are the resources you provide with a church planter? Yeah, what we provide are really the tools necessary to help them get from kind of the dream to the reality. Um, We provide things like an assessment process to help people really discern God, is this something that I should be doing? You know, do I have the aptitude? Do I have the gifting? Do I have that calling? And I'm ready to do that. So we provide that. We provide tools like um, fundraising training of where people need to be able to have the skills necessary and the knowledge necessary to raise the resources to start a church. We provide project management, helping them kind of deal with the details of what needs to happen in the kind of behind the scenes of the church as it begins to launch, and training and coaching. We provide Bloom, which is a ministry to women in church planning to help them develop their leadership and to provide a community for them. Um, Provide bookkeeping services. We we just do all kinds of things to really provide that scaffolding as kind of a new church would develop. That's kind of our role. Well, I mean, it's such a phenomenal thing that you guys were doing uh, even before January of this year. But starting in January, something pretty amazing began to happen. And I'm, I'm going to let you save that for the, the end because I think it's so cool and I want our people to, to hear about that. Um, but for somebody sitting out there listening to this thinking, um, you know, I drive by four or five churches every day on my way to work or I'm a part of a local church and it's going great and it seems crowded and, um, you know, we're doing fine or we've got seats. So why do we need to think about extra services or extra churches? Tell us a little bit about why churches still need to be planting churches and what's the kind of the, the urgency behind that? You know, if you kind of look across the board, there's a couple different factors that point us to the need for new churches. Uh, one of those is um, kind of the life cycle of the church itself, where typically the church that we attend is not going to be the church that our kids or our grandkids attend. And so even to be able to reach the next generations and to provide an expression of the church that reaches them and their hearts, that's always going to be a need. But beyond that, we know that roughly about 3,700 churches will close their doors every year. and That number is going to go to about 5,500 churches that will close their doors every year. We know that the U.S. population is going to grow by almost 100 million over the next 70 years. And even in all of that, we know that at best case scenario, no matter where you would go across the United States, roughly about eight out of every 10 people that you would run into in a typical day are not a part of a life-giving church. And so the need is just overwhelming, and the need for more is continually overwhelming. So when you talk about that, the number of churches that close, give me some statistics on 
the number of churches that we start versus the number of churches that close. I've heard you talk about this before, that we're not even really keeping up now um, what, when what's about to happen, we're, we're going to be way behind the curve. So walk us through some of those facts and figures. Yeah. Um, so over the last, somewhere between 15 plus or minus years, kind of the church at large, denominations, groups, have typically helped start about 4,000 new churches per year. And again, if you go back to that kind of that closure rate of where about 3,700 will end their life cycle and they will close their doors for the very last time this year, and how that number is going to go to about 5,500, there's a gap of where we're losing and will lose about 1,500 churches per year. But when you put population growth, when you put the need for others and communities that are growing and developing, really, uh, there was a great uh, research project that was done by a group called the Pine Tops Foundation. And the, the research was called The Great Opportunity. And where they put it, that we need to be starting roughly about 8,600 churches per year just to be keeping up with the closure rate and population growth. Not actually moving forward to having more and more people become faith, but just to remain kind of where we are percentage-wise across the board. Well, that's a tremendous number to, to keep up with. Um, and I know you guys are working all the time to try to help more and more people become church planters. And I know for a while there, church planting was a rather um, prestigious thing, a bit of a sexy thing, in that there were a lot of people coming out of ministry and even out of seminary and Bible college and the like that thought, I don't want to go transition an older church. I want to go start a church. Yet a lot of people you know, about our age, 20 years ago, that thought, uh, I've seen it done wrong. I want to go do it right. I want to go do it my way. Uh, where are you seeing some of those church plants end up? Is that still kind of a fad? Uh, obviously, there's not enough, but has the perspective on church planting changed a little bit over the last five years, let's say? I would say I, it has. I would say it's not nearly as sexy and fun as maybe it was once perceived to be because it's really hard work um, to be able to go to community and to start from nothing and to to give your life to people and neighbors to provide them with the opportunity to hear the hope of Christ. It's really challenging. And today more than ever, I mean, we think about it now, there have been new churches that have been started and some of them have closed and maybe everybody's gotten a postcard over the years or Maybe there's been some opportunity that they've had a chance to be a part of, and now they're realizing that, hey, the people aren't just coming to church just because. And it really takes, uh, I think, a concerted effort to really befriend people and help them realize that hey, we're not selling something and we're not you know, trying to give them something that, that's uh, snake oil or whatever it would be, but really that we're trying to share with them life. And try to give them what we've had, what we have, and how we've experienced that. And so, I think that that perception has changed over the years. Okay, so this is where you get to share your good news. Stadia made a major decision uh, just about the the start of the of the 2019 that really kind of rocked the church planting landscape, so to speak. Tell us a little bit about 
just kind of the genesis of that and what it is you guys have decided on and then what has been the reaction ever since? Well, for Stadia, for so many years, we have kind of been uh, asking churches that we've helped start to financially invest in Stadia. As, as we've served them, we're asking them to invest in serving others. And in doing so, we found that kind of the financial, the financial model that we had constrained us from partnering with others, denominations, groups, whoever. And also it constrained oftentimes us working with certain, certain church planters because of this perception of really financially, they're not, they're not being able to be a part of it, not being able to invest in it long term. And so what we said is, what if we could remove all of the obstacles and we can take all of the things that we have in our hands, the things that we've learned over the years that really help start new churches, what if we gave them away at no cost or no financial commitment back from anybody, giving them truly with an open hand, no bait and switch? And the reason why we did that was because we felt like that God was really impressing upon us the need to say, hey, that 4,000 number really of new churches that are starting, that, that's not going to cut. That we can't just be kind of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, as I've shared a couple of different times, but that we've got to be a part of seeing that number grow if we're going to reach coming generations for Christ. And so with that, we made that decision to allow us to be able to take whatever we've got to give it away for, for free. And that's been quite an amazing journey for us where we've already started having the ability to partner with you know, groups like the Reformed Church of America and New Thing and the Houston Church Planning Network and the Wesleyan Church and the Ethos Network. And we're in final discussions with serving the Evangelical Free Church and uh, Evangelical Covenant Church and the Christian Reformed Church and a lot of others. We've got about 30 other conversations going on right now just in saying, okay, what if we work together? What if we were able to take whatever we've got and give it to you? And what if we could learn from you to help everybody? And uh, it's been unbelievable to see how God can use us to play a small part in what's going on. And, and even what's been also pretty crazy is the number of people that are starting this journey to plant a church that maybe aren't affiliated with any denominational group or partnership, or maybe they're a part of a non-denominational church. We've already seen an, a 200% increase, an over 200% increase in January alone of the people that were saying, all right, will you help us? And our answer has been, yeah, we're more yeah. than willing and we're excited to come alongside and help you plant a flourishing, fat, healthy baby church as best we can. All right, let's say I'm a listener out there and I'm, I never really thought about church planting, but something you're saying is really lighting a fire in me. And I'm wondering, should I plant a church? How do I know if I'm called to plant a church? Because like you said, it's hard work. It's not plug and play, open up a movie theater and thousands of people show up. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. So how do I know that I'm, I'm supposed to do that? Yeah, we provide uh, kind of a process and a tool. We call it a discovery process to help people really self-discover discover, as well as allowing other people to provide some input into their kind of their journey of where we walk them through through a series of applications, through some surveys, some interviews that really help people discern, God, is this what I'm supposed to do? We don't, we don't feel like let's start new churches, get to stand at the front of the line of heaven. Like that's not, that's not them. We're all given roles and tasks within the kingdom 
And so the question is, Lord, what is the best part that I can play in that work? And so literally, if somebody goes to stadiumchurchplanting.org, they click on a button that says planter, and I want to plant, click on that, and they begin this journey of where they fill out some information, and we just walk through them, walk with them through this journey to hopefully help God speak to them and allow us to be able to encourage them and speak to them as to how their best fit could be used in the kingdom. We, you know, I have this personal belief that, man, that everybody should be a part of starting new churches. And the question is just what role? Should we be a part of a team that does it? Should we be the, a point leader in what's what that new work would look like? Or, or should we just be people that support it and care for it and champion it? Um, but I think we all have a role to play. Um, question is just which role? That's so good. And for those that are listening from our campus over in Simi Valley at Discovery Church, your very own Chris Hornbrook planted a church through Stadia uh, many years ago. Yeah, just an unbelievable leader, great heart for people, and planted a church down in San Diego, Momentum Church, and uh, continues to do well. Justin, where'd you get this heart? Well, we're alive also to, to step in here. You guys have been a part of helping a number of new churches plant and partnership with us and partnership with others, man, your heritage and even kind of your vision of wanting to see churches planted in every valley in California is is just amazing. And we're excited about that and serving you guys and helping great flourishing churches be launched all over the place. So, Well, I appreciate that. And, and we, we certainly have loved partnering with you with Easttown Church up in the San Ramon Valley in the Bay Area, and they're doing a great job, just celebrated their... Uh, their one-year anniversary. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, just kind of where this heart for church planning came uh, for you, because I've known you a long time, and I think when we first met, you were pastoring a church in uh, the Kansas City area, and you were talking about doing something crazy back then, which was multi-site <laughs> with multiple teaching pastors, and we talked about doing that together and that seems so radical at the time. That's a very common thing. What, what, what did God do in your heart over the years to make church planting such a passion of yours? I don't know if it was really a church planting that started it off as much as that so many of my neighbors didn't know Jesus mm. and didn't know the good life that, that can be had in him and the hope that I had in him. And I knew what life was like without Jesus and there were so many people that I knew and, and so many people that even like in the community where I live in, you know, I live in the center part of the United States in, in a community called Kansas City. And there's about two million people here. And very quickly you begin to realize that not everybody's going to come to the church maybe that I lead or I attend. And maybe I work with somebody who lives on the other side of town. And that's 45 minutes away. I know, I know it's nothing compared to the commutes that you guys have in Southern California, but just that people wouldn't make those drives and they couldn't be involved in a church. And so it was like, how do we have just one place? No, we couldn't. How can we be a part of seeing multiple churches start all over our community to be that hands and feet of Jesus in a place that could reach them in proximity and relationship. And it really just came from that and just continually asking, Lord, um, how could we see more people know the hope we have? And with that, it just seems like that my role is kind of a little bit of the John the Baptist role of where my role is just to help others and to, to help others on the journey. You told me a story years ago, and I've heard you mention it since, about a conversation with a, a church leader there in Kansas City 
who wasn't all that interested in church planting because he had his own set of churches he was leveraging. And you, you gave him some amazing advice, and uh, it was more of a, I don't know if it was advice, more of an admonishment. But uh, uh, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I do. And hopefully it was maybe set out of love and hopefully not out of spite. But, you know, I, there's about 2 million people in the city that I live in. And the church that they led was a great church. And I was asking him, hey, would you help? help somebody else start a church in a different spot in town, a different place. And he looked at me and he's like, I don't know if I believe that we really need new churches. And I said, I said, really? I said, um, well, I'm going to start praying that your church grows to be about a hundred thousand people in attendance because I believed in his leadership. I believed in, you know, his teaching and the doctrine and the, and the, and this individual, I said, I'm going to start going to pray that your church would go that big because then in Kansas city, we would only need to reach 1.5 million people that don't go to church because really we need more than just you. And he kind of chuckled at me and laughed at me and, and he's like, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. So <laughs> it's such a great thing for us to think about. I know we talk often in our particular area of the world in the Santa Clarita Valley, if every church at every service had every seat filled we still wouldn't have enough room for the people in our community. And I think churches are just recognizing that there's really only about 20% of people in our community actually attending church. And as church attendance begins to decrease, we're learning that a lot of the nominal Christians who felt like, yeah, I'll go when it's convenient, are just going less. Now we're beginning to see who's really committed, and it's less than we thought it was, and there's a greater need to expand, to reach out, and to find people, and to be the church uh, for those who need it in all parts of different communities. So one of the things I was going to say to you is, you know, if you think about it, like the Valley, if, if your job was to feed the entire Valley that you live in, would you just have one place that they could come and eat? Would you have one restaurant or would you say, no, no, what we want to do is we want to have a, a McDonald's over here and we want to have a Chipotle over there and we want to have a, another restaurant over there because our job is to feed the entire Valley, not just to have them come to our restaurant per se. Hmm. And, I think that's kind of the position you guys have. How do we reach? How do we reach this entire valley? And that's pretty exciting. So, Yeah, and I, I know we've talked often about this. I often get my feelings hurt when people decide to go to a different church instead of the one that I get to pastor. But I heard Larry Osborne say one time, you know what, we're all just Sunday school classes in God's big church. And you know, you go back to the old model that you and I grew up with of all these Sunday school classes. They all had their little names they'd come up with, like the Bereans or serving doubles or koinonia or whatever. And, and, you know, people, my parents would move from one class to the other or whatever. But the reality is, is that we're all just Sunday school classes in God's big church. So let's just create more of them and we'd be better off with it. So, hey, Justin, final thoughts from you. Um, how can people get a hold of you? And I know you mentioned the website, but say it one more time so they know where they can reach you if they'd like to help out. Yeah, stadiachurchplanting.org. Sounds great. Churchplanting.org. We'd love to help you. And uh, if you're a church leader, if you're considering planting, uh, go there and we'd love to help you figure it out. Okay. I want to end with uh, three questions we commonly ask people. I know that you're ready and prepared for this. A book that you're enjoying right now besides Justice, Mercy, and Humility. 
Um, That's actually a really good book, man. You're a good writer. I, I'm really, I love recommending your books to other folks. So, oh, you're a guy. Possibility. I think you do a great job. Okay, well, let's start with the book. What are you reading right now you recommend? Yeah, Competing Against Luck by Dr. Charles Christensen. He's a Harvard Business School professor. And uh, I love to just learn from as many different folks as possible. He has this unique thought process of where he calls it the jobs theory. And where, what is it that that this product, this service, or whatever, what is the job that we're hiring them to do for us? And I love thinking about that in relationship to people and even their spiritual journey and why they need church. You know, we can come at it from spots of where, why we think people should need the church. But when you don't know Jesus at all, you really, you need him to help you with fixing my marriage or helping with my kids or whatever. So it's been a great book. That's awesome. That's good. Okay. I hadn't heard of that one. Thanks for the recommendation. All right. Second one is what's an app that you're using a lot lately? Duet. I use Duet quite a bit. Duet is a uh, an app that allows you to take your iPad and connect it to your laptop. I travel a ton. And so it allows me to kind of have two screens when I'm working and being able to do a couple of things at once and just helps a ton when I'm on the road. So Duet is it's one that I use all the time. Oh, that's great. Okay, last one, stage faux pas. I know you speak a lot, so tell me a mistake that you made one time from stage. So the best one that I could think of was one that it, it was a stage faux pas that wasn't necessarily completely me, but it, you'll get it. So I was in student ministry at a church in Colorado, and we were having a good time trying to promote the Turkey Bowl, which was a flag football, you know, game that happened the Friday after Thanksgiving. And we thought it'd be really fun to bring a live turkey to to have for all of the kids and to be able to play with it, do all kinds of stuff. PETA is still after me with this one. But then we decided that that wasn't enough. So what we did was we took it to the main service and we threw it out on the stage as they were finishing the service up doing announcements, which really was was tremendous. It it was <laughs> was such a good thing. It was one of the highlights of my career. Um, I think I was on probation for I don't know about six months for that one, but it was it was one that gets talked about in in small circles every once in a while. Well, the great thing is is knowing your lead pastor. Um, he, I'm sure he hated that and suspended you, but he t- probably tells that story all the time. <laughs> There's nothing, there's nothing better than a live turkey being thrown out on stage while you're giving announcements to just to bring everything to a close. You know, just to, it's been great having you here today, folks. We want to tell you how much Jesus loves you, and here comes this live tur- turkey. I don't know if it hit him when it came through, but... Oh, my goodness. This feels like a little bit like Les Nessman and reporting the uh, the turkey drop on WKRP. <laughs> We're dating ourselves there now, man. Oh, we are, but still, all-time greatest Thanksgiving moment. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you, and thanks so much for what you're doing for the kingdom and uh, for church plants, and uh, I hope a lot of people will check it out. So thanks a ton, Justin. Hey, man. Thank you, guys, and thank you for your leadership in real life. Um, we are so grateful for what you guys do and the staff that you guys have there. Uh, We're just big fans and so grateful for you guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, buddy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I always love talking with Justin. Always learn a lot. Always inspired and challenged. 
And I would encourage you to make sure you pass that along. Write us a review through your iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback. And please, you know, share this with somebody. Go to PastorRustyGeorge.com. Find one of those blogs you think would be helpful for somebody. Pass it along uh, because we always learn better together. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next week uh, with a very special guest. Cannot wait to share that with you.